This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to episode number four of Hitting the Mark. I made a promise to myself to never, ever feature a client or a former client of mine on the show, but I'm good with sprinkling in an entrepreneur now and then who I also call my friend. Today is such a moment, and I'm sure you will all appreciate that I did so. I personally am always delighted to talk with him, learn from him, and at times be the critic he never asked to have. My guest today is Chris Doe. Chris is an Emmy Award-winning designer, director, strategist, lecturer, consultant, and entrepreneur. He has spent the last two decades running Santa Monica-based motion design and branding agency Blind. His team has worked on TV commercials and music videos for iconic brands and bands such as Nike, Xbox, Fox Sports, Electronic Arts, Scion, Coldplay, The Gap, Sony, Honda, etc., etc., Having taught sequential and main title design for over 15 years at Art Center College of Design, Chris decided to scale his teaching efforts and founded The Future, an online content and education platform. He has produced over 600 YouTube videos on subjects such as design, branding, business, and UX, and has gained an audience of 340,000 not followers, but subscribers from all over the globe. And here he is. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thrilled to be number four. You are number four, but you know, to many, you are really number one. But what are you <laughs> going to do, right? So Yes, you're too kind. Yeah, of course, of course. So before we really dive into this, I, I have to say I love being on the interviewer side of things with you. feels really mm -hmm. refreshing and in a way rather mm. calming. How, how do you feel mm -hmm. today? How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. The tables have turned, my friend, and I'm ready to dive in this and dodge some bullets from you, perhaps. <laughs> so um, I saw the interview you did with Seth, with Seth Godin, yes. which was mm. amazing, right? Just He's, he's just so <laughs> unbelievably inspiring. Um, you. And you, Chris, for the very first time ever in, 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 in the long time that I've known you and seen you, mm -hmm. You were a bit nervous there in the beginning. Was this the very first mm. time you were nervous, like, ever? I got to tell you something. I wasn't nervous to speak to Seth, but I was worried about the technology uh. and all the different components. As you know, when you manage a show and there's a team behind you, there's a lot of balls you're juggling. And two, two episodes ago, our system crashed. And so we are very hyper aware that we cannot afford the machine to crash. And these things are inevitable. Computers freak out. They overheat. They just decide, I've had enough. And that happens to us. So the team was very aware of this. So we're doing everything we can to make it as smooth as possible. Because let's face it, how many times do you get a chance to speak to somebody like Seth Godin? Seriously. I wanted to respect him. I wanted to honor him. And I wanted him to have a platform to share his ideas and get out of the way, to be honest. Oh, and and you did you did amazingly, and and I thought there was the aura of the mighty Seth that cracked you, but it was actually technical. Mm. Yeah, and I want to say something to that. I think a lot of people feel this way, and I I saw this quote. It says, "Don't treat someone like a star because they'll treat you like a fan." And I I just think we all put our pants on one leg at a time. We're all human beings. We all bleed, and 
to try to put somebody up in a pedestal makes you act and behave in a way that's not congruent with who you normally are. So I try my best to ground myself and think, yeah, I haven't written 18 best-selling books, but Seth is just another human being. We actually look very similar. We both have the same haircut. We both wear funky glasses and there's a lot of similarities there. Absolutely. And and you will you will write 18 best-selling books sooner or later. So <laughs> So um, talking about similarities, uh, you and I go go back quite a bit, uh, and and we actually have a ton in common as well. We we both studied at Art Center. We both taught yes. there. We're both branding practitioners. We're mentors. Some might even go as far as calling us thought leaders in our space. We we run our own consultancies. Yet we're also very different, and we like to meet every now mm -hmm. and then for dinner, right, to compare viewpoints yes. on the state of design, branding, technology, right. business, but. I think most importantly for this conversation, I'm um, on design education, which is which is very dear to your heart. Um, and I want mm -hmm. to take our podcast session to really focus on that latest venture of yours as a serial entrepreneur. So tell our listeners a bit about your fascination with design education and how and why you started the future, which is a disruptive content education platform. Dive in. Tell us. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story, okay? And then tell me when to cut it short. I've always been very passionate about teaching. I think it's one of the noblest things that you can do. But the sad truth is teachers, who should be the most prized people in our society, aren't compensated in a way that, that makes sense to me. In our society, we seem to reward hedge fund managers, financial traders, people who move equities around. And they're not really creating anything, but they're all, they're all very powerful and wealthy in this world. So here I am teaching, and I've been teaching at Art Center, as you mentioned in intro, for quite some time. And upon one of these moments when I'm driving home with my wife, who on occasion would sit in my class because I'm so passionate about it, I invited her to sit in the class and see what's going on. And we're driving home, and I asked her, how was class today? And just looking for a little positive affirmation, some feedback so I can improve. And she's like, you know, it was really good. But I don't think you're living up to your potential. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? And she said, you know, there were seven or eight students. And how many times have you given this lecture? How many more times do you want to give the same lecture? And what about all the students that are outside of this classroom? And she basically threw a big challenge and a problem in front of me without a solution. So I do what insecure men do. I recoiled, I reacted, I got angry in the car. And I was like, shoot. And so that long drive home from Pasadena to the Pacific Palisades, I just cranked up the radio and just was stewing in it for a little bit. I think it was a couple of days later that I started to really think about that and her words kept echoing my mind. Now the answer didn't appear immediately. It wasn't obvious. It wasn't until later that I met Jose Caballero, who is also another Art Center alum, that he said to Chris, let's get on YouTube. I want you to get on camera and let's make content together. Now that's an idea that was shocking to me because Mind you, I'm an introverted person. Hmm. I'm used to being behind the camera, making commercials and directing talent and not being in front of camera talent. So I resisted and I got on the show and it was super tense. But, you know, something started to happen. I think that whole fear, that ice started to melt a little bit. And the more we created, the more feedback we got. And it's like you go from a vicious cycle to a virtuous cycle. So you got to get over the fear, you make content, and then all of a sudden I can see that, man, there's something here that I know that I can share in this video format that's actually helping people. And that feeling that you you get, you can't measure in a bank account. Totally. And I wanted more of it.
Totally, absolutely. And I mean, on last count, I think that you guys now with the future have over half a million followers, um, only across the four social media channels that I looked at uh, mm -hmm. last night. So that's amazing. It's like, you know, yeah. and, and you have you have a stunning 300% growth year over year, which which by now might be more, but, you know, that's what I heard from you on one of your episodes. Yes, yes, yes. So looking back, you know, during that journey, you know, starting it with Jose and then moving it into the future, um, what was that one big breakthrough moment that that propelled the startup, you know, really that passion project, um, into into a brand, into a small phenomenon in in this niche space of design, which you at this point really start to own? What was yeah, the moment? Yeah, I, I think I have. Yes, I have that moment. Now, usually that's a, a difficult question to answer, but I know that moment. In the beginning, when we made content, we were trying to make promotional videos to sell products and courses that we created. And so there was always this ulterior motive. And we created content to sort of tiptoe and segue into, hey, by the way, if you want more of this, you should consider buying this product. And so our audience and the value that we were creating was stunted because of that desire to market to people. The breakthrough moment came when I said to Jose at that point in time, like, look, I don't want to sell anymore, man. I'm going to go away. I'm going to write a deck. And I just want to help people learn. And it was, that's all it was. So that night, the night before, I probably spent about four hours writing a deck on branding and sharing my thoughts on this because so many people think a logo is a brand and they screw that up. It's so much more than that. That's just one small part of the puzzle. So when I wrote that, what happened was when we created that episode, people started to watch. And we were used to getting 30 to 50 views. Now we're getting hundreds of views a day. And I knew then something had happened. And when you do something right and you're rewarded with this instant feedback, and that's one of the great things about social media, you can try many experiments that are very ephemeral, sit back and watch, make hypotheses about what works and what doesn't, and double down on the things that do. And if you can repeat your success multiple times, you're on to something. And we definitely were on to something at that point in time. And it was really, it it, it seems to me, it was it was the move from from marketing to to empathy right it was that idea where where suddenly you switch to saying why am i really doing this what is what is what is at the core of this brand and to me the, the core of the brand is always you coming from a similar background you having made it it's kind of like the gary vaynerchuk um you know idea where you can actually base your base your entire story on your success and then share how you got there with 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 your audience and and then you start quote unquote selling because you actually you actually prove to them you know who you are and that that they actually should listen to you yeah and i think since you're speaking to an audience of entrepreneurs and potential marketers i, would, I do want to say something when you stop selling and you start thinking of your customers as somebody that you can create value for then the whole game changes. And I know a lot of people in the marketing space think about how do we get more people to look at our stuff and buy our products? So they think about paid media and the transition has to happen into getting earned media. And earned media is something that you don't have to pay people to watch. What you're asking for from your audience and your community is for their most valuable things, their time and attention. And then you exchange that with marketing? That doesn't make sense. Don't pitch me. Give me something valuable. Tell me something I didn't know. If you do that, you will not have to pay people to watch your content. And you build an, a relationship, affinity from your customer to your brand. And that's the key. So companies, 
2018, 2019, as this is being recorded, if you can jump that divide, if you can transition from that gap and build that bridge, your game will change. Put all the money that you're going to spend in media buy and build content. Hire researchers, authors, writers, videographers, motion graphics people. Hire consultants to help you craft a content strategy that creates value for your clients. I absolutely love that. And the more content you put out there, the, the more deeper content people seek. And for the deeper content, then there's a certain price point, which they're more than happy to pay because you've already been giving so much to them over time. I think so. And we're still exploring with that that line. I know that the reason why we stand out from some of the people who are in a similar space to us is what they do is they hold back. They give you a little teaser. They make you watch a protracted video about the benefits and customer testimonials. At the very end, they may drop one or two hints or ideas. We try not to do that. We try to give our audience, our community, as much as possible for free. And something wonderful happens. They feel out of obligation or reciprocity that they want to buy more. They want to support us. They look out for people who pirate our content, and they're rallying our name and cheering us all over the world. And so it's a, it's a fundamentally different dynamic, and it can be profitable. I'm not saying this to be a philanthropist or to do charity. Like you mentioned, again, our company has grown 300% year over year, and, and I'm blown away by this. That is amazing. That 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 is that is really amazing. Let's let's <coughs> move from your company to yourself as a brand, and that's with you. This is a very very interesting kind of separation um, between the personal brand from your company brand. I I ask this because a lot of solopreneurs are facing that dilemma are and, and are very unsure on how to go about it because. You, you know, you're obviously the biggest driver behind the brand, uh, but you also empower others and you run a legit educational company that is getting ready to take over the world, uh, one follow at a time. <laughs> but but people love you, right? I mean, some hate you, but 99.9% .9 really yes. love you. Um, and you and you share the most intimate stories with them 24-7. Um, you're also embodying the brand story uh, very much, you know, like like Gary Vaynerchuk and like a lot of, you know, others, others do. But um, but but what I'm wondering is, you you share you share lessons in a very bold and direct but also empathetic way. How how do you separate these two brands, the Crystal brand and then the Future brand? And and as Seth, as Seth Godin reminded you, you know he's a firm believer of never talking about his private life. Um, but yeah. how do you see the Crystal versus the Future brand play out? in the next five years or so? Is it, is it dangerous to be too close to it? Or are you the brand? Mm, it's a very good question. Now, I'm gonna take a half step back. When we were just promoting and talking about Blind as a company, I wasn't sure what's my role in this, right? Like, how do I talk about the things I believe in? Because the company is more than just me and there's diverse points of view. And I also was concerned that I would say or do something that would alienate people, clients from blind as a service company. But the future to me was very liberating because it was in total alignment with my philosophy, with my core, with my entire being and my spirit. So there was no separation. So I could write on behalf of the future as in my own voice. I often would say I and not we or us just because I want them to know there's a human being behind this. And it, it really taught me how to, to communicate on scale in mass with people. And I also 
make a point to celebrate and to promote and to give credit to the amazing team and to encourage them to create content on our channel and feel free to say what they think as well. The future is a place that doesn't have to be defined by a singular voice. And so we do that to actively promote other people and to put them up on a pedestal and share the spotlight. And I think that's fantastic. That's how we're going to grow. And it's important too, because here's the thing. Everybody needs the avatar to jump into your story, into your brand. I am approaching 50 years old. I've been working for over two decades. So for somebody who's in school or struggling to make ends meet, I'm not that relatable. That's where Ben Burns or Matthew Insina or Greg Gunn step into the picture because Ben Burns is a self-taught person. So when he speaks, he's able to relate to them in ways that I can never do. So that way we're drawing in a very broad audience and they're, they're finding their favorites, quote unquote, and they're able to learn about us through these avatars. So five years from now, Fabian, I'm not sure where all of this goes, but I'm very cognizant. I definitely don't want it to be the Chris Doe show, even though I make a lot of the content. This is going to grow and change over time. And that's and that's a really good lesson for solopreneurs that are afraid of putting themselves too much in front of a brand. You can have an mm -hmm. exit strategy, right? You you can think about how do you over time then empower and bring in others, and you can slowly take a step back. Not that you would, uh, but but you could. And I right. think that is super important for for any entrepreneur to know that that there is yes. a way to do both, and you can do both. Mm -hmm. So. One of the things that I like about you, um, uh, and there are about three. No, there, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> you have that. This is a very short list. <laughs> you have that rare gift of tapping into and balancing the right and left brain functions. And I know you're often mm -hmm. rather analytical. You know, especially when it comes to yes. metrics. Um, you know, with your company side, etc. I know you do this a lot, but when was a really memorable time when you went totally against data? Um, and, and insights, and you did a gutsy move solely based on your instinct. Okay, so I'm going to answer this question in a roundabout way. I'm reading this book called Six Thinking Hats, and it talks about how we make decisions. So when you're wearing the red hat, you're basing your decision or comment on emotion, rather the white hat, which is based on data. So when you ask this question about data, logic, and emotion, a lot of us assume we're acting on good data. And few of us actually have the time to properly look at our analytics and our metrics and to form an informed decision. So one such example was last year we had run this Black Friday promotion. It was a very complicated video and email campaign. So this year I told the team, I don't want to do that. That seems overly complicated. Let's just tell people what the products are and how much they'll save. I think we'll be fine. So there was a lot of pushback saying, this is necessary. And if you read a lot of books and watch videos on how to do email marketing campaigns, they do tell you you got to do this soap opera email sequence that I'm not just a big believer in. So we tried and sure enough, we still have 300% sales growth and we hit all our goals and we're on track to smashing them. So that's one thing is that I think most small companies, small to medium sized businesses actually don't have the data to support what it is that they think. And it's all just about confirmation bias. And we pretend like the data is telling us something. Now, if you're a large corporation, if you employ quote unquote machine learning and you have rich data to work with, I can see how that might help shape 
decisions and thinking a little bit more. But it still needs that human spark, that imagination, that creativity, the, the ability that only I think a human can do, which is to connect two disparate ideas and form something wholly new. This was this was such an important thing to say. I think that is that is something that so many people can learn from. Um, I saw that uh, you know you know I'm I'm on social media like like all of us we're all slaves to our phones. Um, and I think it was Black Friday, um, or or maybe it was Cyber Monday or one of those silly things where you get bombarded mm -hmm. and bombarded by all of those yes, deals, yes, right? Yes. And so the future obviously had to be part of that. But you said no, let's let's be again more empathetic and let's just say, look, we've got great content. If you like. You know, cheaper. You you can get it at a better price now. But um, what I really liked was there was one of your guys, um, and, and I, I don't know who it was, and and he should forgive me for that mm -hmm. because I should know all of your all of your you know people out there. But he sent this really great email, and I'm on your mailing list, and I, I somehow like I somehow are, caught okay. it and I saw it, um, and it and it it basically mm -hmm. it was just him talking about how everyone's so sick sick and tired of getting all of these deal emails and it's overwhelming and you know like you and me both right like we're, we're both in this and it sucks and i was waiting for the upsell um and and it never came it was just more of a story about you, you know like like how we're all in this together and you know you, you just wanted to send this this email as a reminder but look you know thank god the time is over basically and and it, it just felt it was right. very different than that but it was kind of like that's that's what i as a, as a user as a consumer um that's that's how I that's that's how it resonated with me, and I I think that's exactly how mm -hmm. you directed your team to do it. I thought it was very heartfelt, and I think it's it's very much in line with how you how you run the future and and how people see you. Mm -hmm. You know, based on your description, I know who wrote it. It was Ben Burns. Whenever there's a heartfelt email that seems very personal and resonates with you, chances are it's Ben who wrote it. <laughs> Way to go, Ben. Very good. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about not so much about standing out, but more about fitting in. I, I know that you talk a lot about sameness, and you talk about copying what's already out there. You are a creative, right? And 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 you just like myself intend mm -hmm. to create unique solutions to business problems through strategic brand thinking. Now, it catches a lot of your listeners who are mainly fairly young graphic designers off guard when you talk about how it is okay, perhaps even strategically sound, to be highly inspired by your competition's branding, perhaps to even paint by the numbers at times. And so I'm, I'm, I'm coming to my question here. Many startup entrepreneurs copy existing businesses, and then they just make it D2C, direct-to-consumer, for example. Um, but how do you see that philosophy play out when it comes to actually defining and separating the adventure from others through branding? Like when is the moment when you kind of like rebuild what others built and then you add your, you had your touch, like, do you have any thoughts on, on that for our entrepreneur listeners of when that moment comes where they, mm. where they kind of separate it? Because you, you talk to graphic designers and you say, why do you spend so much time making your website be this website that no one's ever seen before that is so right. unique and that has such an, you know, like different process and everything is shown differently when in reality, you know, clients actually would like a safe option. They would like to know that you have a process and you look a lot like the others, but they make a choice based on personality or based on experience or based on, you know, one, one of many other, many other reasons, not necessarily the way that their brand comes, comes across. Let me, let me attack this in, in, in the different layers and then we'll lean into whatever you think is more important for your audience to hear. Most of the designers that watch our channel 
they hear what they want to hear because they were taught to be master craftspeople, to really be great makers. And the world celebrates that, or at least in our little insular community. So when they hear something that is other than celebrating their artistry and their unique perspective in the world, it's a hard thing for them to process. And I get that and I identify with that. But what we need to understand is this, is that there's very little that's new under the sun. Let's take at, take a look at one of the most influential companies in the world, Facebook. And Facebook, to me, it wasn't very different than Friendster. For those of you guys that are old enough to remember Friendster, it was a way for people to connect with friends. It's a social platform. And Friendster blew up until <laughs> MySpace came in and did a couple of things differently. And then Friendster went away. And it was all about MySpace. Again, this will date you. And then Facebook came in and essentially created the same thing. And they reacted to MySpace being a total free-for-all cluster F when it came to design. And it was just people vomiting graphics all over the place. So they purposely put in kind of um, guideposts along the side so you can only do so much about expressing yourself. And they create a lot of rules to constraint. So it turns out we don't want all this uniqueness. We actually don't want to spend so much time trying to discover each and every single person because it requires a lot of mental energy to do this. And I don't want to do that. When it comes to websites, it's like we understand how to build great landing pages now, how you have to drive people down to the bottom of the page. And you got to start with the why, then the how, and then the what. That's what we need to do. So we don't need to reinvent the framework. The templates exist. People have tried that already in the early 2000s to great disaster, disastrous effects when we're chasing interfaces, when we're like, oh my God, I can't click on a button because the button's running away from my point, my mouse. <laughs> like, what is going on? Super frustrating. And that's when like people win web design awards. And so they're encouraged to do that. So we need to shift the thinking. Now, I think you've done this really well and talk about how ho-hum brands really differentiate just by having an interesting personality or a cause or a purpose so that maybe they don't have to have the latest G whiz gadget or feature. And really all we need to do is execute better than other people and enroll people through our story. That's what makes things different. Now in Cleon Peterson's book, I'm sorry, it's not Cleon Peterson. In Austin Cleon's book, Show Your Work, he talks about this. He said, your story can impact the value of things. And he takes the example of artwork. He says, when you walk into a gallery and you look at a painting, is that painting really worth what they're asking for? Or is it because the story that's embedded within that image is what you're really buying? Because that's the difference between an authentic piece and a counterfeit piece. Because the counterfeit, although it looks exactly the same, isn't attached to the creation story of the artist. I think that's really important to be able to tell your story. Amen. Amen. Even though you might have a similar why at the beginning of why why people might need you, you know, if you're in the service industry, if you're a consultant, but then your personal why gets interjected and it, and it gets infused into that, and that's when the story starts happening. Um, what is mm -hmm. so? I'm so I'm curious, um, and and I try to ask this as many people on the show as possible. What is a single word, or or maybe two words, that can describe? Your brand. Now that we're deep in the, you know, in the at the heart of the brand conversation, how would you describe the future in a word? I mean, what could it be? Is it is it empathy? No, no. I thought about this, so I was like, how do you just steal our company down to one word? I think it's empowerment. 
What we do better than most people is we give people knowledge and tools to empower them to achieve their dreams. That's it. Awesome. It's perfect. What does branding mean to you, Chris? I know you talk a lot about it. It's it's kind of, it's in your genes by now. You teach it. You know, we've been talking about branding, the future, and, you know, like how, how you kind of like did that. How would you put it in simple words? Everyone has their own explanation. And I kind of think it's nice that everyone does, but in the end, a lot of them kind of like sync up. How do you, what does it mean to you? How would you describe branding? I think branding is the sum total of the user experience for a customer. It, and it's it, this is Marty Neumeier's thing. It's not what you say, it's what they say it is. Right. So it's a gut feeling. And the gut feeling can be influenced, it can't be controlled. And it's one of these things, especially in this day and age where social media and authenticity is so important, that the days are long gone now where a brand can say, we're about customer service, we're about the best build quality and the, and the most interesting design, when you can easily cross-reference that on a number of channels. I, In fact, I did this last night. I was intrigued by a product, so I just jumped from the website. You know, With all these Cyber Monday deals, I typed it in, review. And then I watched unbiased reviews, and I thought, hmm, it is not what they promised it to be. I'm 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 going to save myself three hundred fifty dollars. I'm not going to buy this thing. I'm going to wait for them to improve the product. So we can cross reference that. So it doesn't matter anymore what you say. So here's good news and bad news for some of your entrepreneurs out there. Make a good product. Deliver on the promise. The branding will take care of itself after that point. And a good example is a book that you and I both like, which is by Tony Shah, and it's uh, it's 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 the Sappos founder and. He yes. actually, Sappos actually is capable to build an entire business on customer service. So they can actually own these words that, that you just declared are not ownable, but, but they can own it because they actually have products and, and, and service that, that 100% aligns with, with that core value of theirs, that that's what they do. They're about, core, they're about uh, customer service. Yeah, 100%. I'm a big fan of what Tony is doing. And the entire company top to bottom is built around this core philosophy that they share together. So it's not something that a, a marketing team, a brand consultant came in and said, we are about X, Y, and Z. And they were like, great, let's put that on the website. Let's put it on the wall when they walk into the lobby. No, you have to live and breathe that. So from customer service, how they hire people, how they fire people, the company culture. And he's famous in the book saying, you know, don't worry about the branding, get the culture right. The branding will follow. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that is yet another point that I think is so important. The idea that that culture is is bigger than branding, right? Because if you have the right culture, mm -hmm. a brand is kind of it, it's creating itself over time. And there's so many companies that I start working with, and I see that the culture is broken, like it just does not work, right? There's there's yes. just evil top-down culture and it's so right. hard to change that and say yeah let's kind of like paint the pig right like, let's create a brand around it that people should 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 sense but they will feel something different if it if from within you know it's it's not it's not honest and it's not created in a way that uh, is empathetic with the customer yes so here's the thing if we think about it one of our highest goals as human beings and then hopefully the transferences to corporations and brands is that we, we aspire to be happy and happiness comes from the alignment of what you think, say, and do. So when you talk about a brand that says one thing that does something very different and thinks really evil thoughts, well, that's a fractured company that's very toxic. 
So it's an illusion that people think by bringing in a brand strategist that they can say some magical words and design something really interesting that that can actually change that. So I think the, the right way to do this, as, as you've talked about, is to get the culture right, bring in a brand strategist to help to highlight what's great about your, your, your culture, right? Because a lot of times when we're inside the bubble, when we're inside the bottle, we can't read the label. So this is an interesting thing. Uh, I want to kind of dovetail this into teaching. Many years ago, I started getting burnt out over doing service design work. And I started to lose myself. I was like, am I any good? Is this actually helping anybody? And I started to doubt myself. So I was going through this weird burnout. I took a sabbatical. Just so happened, I got an offer to teach. Started teaching. And then what I realized in myself is I have a lot more to offer people. And the students gave me a window into that. And so that's where I think a brand strategist can step in. You as a company have a lot to offer the world. You're just unaware of your gifts. So the brand strategist comes in, looks at it, and it's like, you were really good at X, Y, and Z. How come we don't talk about this more? Oh, because we're too busy trying to be like everybody else and say the same things. Well, let them be them and let's double down on you and what makes you different and unique. I think that's really all it is, is that the brand strategist comes in to surface what's already there. And if it's an empty core, it's just all air then. Honing in on those couple of things that that they have that are really good, and by that you know you magnify it, and actually people start behaving more like it, um, and 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 better culture will grow out of it. Um, I think I think it's fantastic. Um, what's what's a final um, piece of brand advice? Um, if 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 you most probably you you already dropped so many pieces of brand advice on everyone that you might be totally out of it. But if you have a single piece of brand advice for company founders as a, as a takeaway where you say, look, you know, like, don't think this way, think this way, or, you know, any, any thought that you have about any big advice, one more nugget, give us one more nugget. Time's running mm. out. Shoot. Yeah. Time is running out. Look at the clock here. Okay. I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to repeat myself here, but the big shift for us in terms of our own realization, and all I can do is share with you my story and hope that you guys that your audience is listening. It's like, oh, I think I can do that. Now, many people are coming to me and asking, Chris, uh, you should give marketing advice. I'm like, I'm not a marketer. And they're, they're saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. You transitioned from being a service company, basically selling time to a person who's making content and influencing people and actually growing a very profitable business in the process. So it took me a moment to realize that, that we've been able to make this jump to go from a service company to selling knowledge and creating value for other human beings. I think if you have a brand and you wanna do marketing, it comes down to creating value for other people. So I try to live by this mantra, give as much away as possible for as little as possible without hurting yourself. And if you do so, the law of reciprocity, karmic equity will be built and I think this is a term that Gary Vaynerchuk uses, which is you can exist in the thank you economy. And I think we're entering this whole new place where people more so than ever don't want to be sold to, but are so ready to buy. Give them a reason to. And, and this is 
this is not only for consultants. This is not only for service uh, companies. This is for for B two B. You know, it's like we're all humans, right? And I think that that yeah. that is that that is so important. It's not just the brand consultancy guy or the educator talking. No, this is this is this works across all companies, and this is so 2018, 2019, spot on. Absolutely love it. You know what's really crazy? I, I just want to share this last little bit in case there's some creatives listening to this. Uh, especially in creative people, there's this scarcity mindset where if we give away the secret sauce that they'll not know. Oh, us. absolutely. And my opinion is this, my opinion, and it's not based on data, so we're talking about data before, is that if you are so concerned about a secret sauce or that client isn't going to hire you, you're the wrong person and they are the wrong client. Okay? So I found just in our own data is that when we share, when we pull back the curtain, if you will, that when they realize you're such an expert at doing something, they actually don't want to go through that effort. Smart people, smart entrepreneurs especially, say, my time is more valuable. If Fabian's a great branding strategist, a brand strategist, and Chris is great at doing content marketing, I can try to educate my team. I can tell them to watch all the videos and learn and extract, or we could just hire them. And that's really where that comes back around. And for the first time ever, we have clients calling us with actually really big budgets who are fans first, that they're giddy on the phone with us and we don't have to sell <laughs> them anything because they know the script. They know what I'm going to say. And that's just a revolutionary thing in sales for me that your customers arrive pre-sold. So it's just a question of then how much are they prepared to spend? It's 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 actually the exact same thing for me when people read mm -hmm. one of my books and they and they call me as a fan and they want to talk about my book and then say oh and here I've got a problem and I think you're the right person to solve it and and I mean that is that is wonderful for anyone who who has to sell right because you're you're still running a business um, but doesn't want to sell and just you know feels like giving us the right way right way of going and this is a perfect example um, for for the mm -hmm. designers amongst the listeners which which there are actually quite a few. Tell them where they can find you, the future, and what you'd like them to be doing right this minute to gain some knowledge from your teachings. Go to YouTube. Go to youtube.com and find us. And you can search for the future is here. And if you type that in, there's a chance that you're going to find this lowercase typeset of a logo set in Futura, bold, blue and yellow, or blue and white, and that's us. We have over 600 videos. I think we're over 700 now. And watch one of our videos. All you have to do is search our content and hopefully learn something. And if you like it, watch some more. That's all I can ask. Walking the walk. There's no sales, no sales pitch here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This was tons of fun, greatly insightful. And we better get a dinner in the books again to continue on this conversation. I love the conversation. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And hit that subscribe button as I have some amazing guests booked for the next episodes. A friendly reminder to also please give the show a quick rating wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a brand new show and it really helps to place it on the radar. It sure is much appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by Finian, a brand consultancy creating strategic, verbal and visual brand clarity. You can learn more about Finian and download free white papers to support your own brand launch or rebranding efforts at finian.com. We still have a special podcast offer going for my latest book, Bigger Than This, How to Turn Any Venture into an Admired Brand. 
You can get your copy now for six ridiculous dollars at tinyurl.com slash Fabian's book. I hope that was not a sales pitch. Chris would hate me for it. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.